Welcome to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com, the show that's here to make the topic of taxes fun and interesting while providing great advice for individuals and small business owners on how to mitigate their tax liabilities. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Belsis Smalley. Thank you for joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. I am your host, Belsis Smalley. And I am your host, Craig Smalley. This is week four of our show, and we're very excited to be with you live on the air. We, um, as always, have decided to challenge ourselves with making the topic of taxes fun and interesting. And uh, we'd love for you to stay tuned. Don't change the channel. We have a lot of great information for you today. Yeah, so today we're going to, this week, we're going to talk about uh, a breakdown of individual taxation. Now, I know that sounds really boring, but, you know, it's tax season, it's April the 1st, and all those procrastinators, I know you guys are out there and you're just getting ready to do your tax return. So um, we are live on the air. Like we said, we're happy to take calls. The call-in number is 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or one 888 Four six three six seven four eight. And uh, before we move forward, I just want to stress that the advice given on tax avoidance is legal is general in nature. Craig W. Smalley EA and CWS CAPA LLP and their associated entities cannot be held responsible for the advice given on this radio show. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor. And we also wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. Um, tax Avoidance is Legal can be found on the Internet at www.taxavoidanceislegal.com. And um, throughout the show, as well as throughout the week, you can email your questions to us um, or you can use the form on our website. Our email address is info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And any emails that we receive through Wednesday will be featured on that Friday's live show. However, um, I do check it periodically throughout the show as well, so anybody who has not had a chance to email us throughout the week, don't let that hold you back. Feel free to send us your uh, emailed questions, and we will uh, do our very best to get them featured on today's show. Um, this show is sponsored by CWSEAPA LLP, and uh, we are a nationally recognized brand of accounting, tax, and financial services. Um, you can always give us a call at 1-844-CWSEAPA um, or 844-297-3272. And... Uh, Want to go ahead and get going? Today's topic is uh, quite vast. So, Craig, do you want to get started on uh, discussing? Well, yeah. Before we before we get started, I've got to talk about baseball season. So, oh opening uh, opening day is April the fourth, and my Cubs uh, been a you know uh, I'm a Cub fan, so it's been it's been tough. But you know they are actually favored to win the World Series this year, and I've been watching them in spring training. They look really good, so we'll see what happens on April the fourth. What is it with you and uh, liking teams that don't seem to do so well, huh? Well, I guess it's the whole underdog thing. You know, I'm I'm a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan. I'm a long suffering. Uh, Buck fan, so I have no idea. It's just, you know, and I'm an Orlando Magic fan, so, you know, there it is. So it is what it is. Well, I'm not going to fight you on the Cubs because I grew up in Chicago, so they definitely have a place in my heart. So I'm not going to complain about the Cubbies. Um, so a lot of sports, but uh, we definitely want to get going on our discussion. Um, I have a really great question for you, Craig, to begin with. 
Uh, I know from time to time we'll get a client that'll state that federal income tax is voluntary. So uh, why don't we get you rolling on what your thoughts are on that? I'm sure you have a lot to say about that. Yeah, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of websites and, you know, it's funny because with the, uh, with, uh, with the internet, there's so much information out there and there's, you know, I've seen everything from untax yourself to, you know, the tax, uh, code or the, 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 the amendment to the 16th amendment was, wasn't ratified by all the states, but, you know, when it comes down to it, uh, the, the tax code exists and it's existed since the beginning of time. So how it really started was we started with tariffs back in the 1700s. We would charge tariffs on people that were trying to import goods to the United States. And then the first time we ever had an income tax was during the Civil War. So in 1913, the 16th Amendment was ratified, allowing Congress to levy an income tax. So there's there's no possible way that you can say that the income tax was never ratified. It was ratified by all the states. It is the 16th Amendment. Um, the IRS has the right to levy a tax, and your responsibility is to pay that tax. I wonder what a tax return looked like back in uh, 1913. Oh, well, it's, it's really funny. It was one page and it was a flat tax. It was, uh, it was very, very simple. And then Congress got a hold of it. And that's where we're at today with, uh, you know, how, uh, vast the, uh, the, the income tax code is. I cannot imagine a uh, one-page tax return. But, it really um, was. It was one page. I used to have a copy of it in my office. It was literally one page. It was income, deductions, and this is what you owe in tax. That's all it was. It was It was a flat tax. That's, that's really what it was. Um, so basically, we've complicated things is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What do you think about a flat tax? What are your feelings on that? Well, we had a flat tax. That's what we started with in 1913. We started with a flat tax, and here we are. So, you know, if if it ever comes to fruition that we do get a flat tax, and I know that there's some uh, presidential candidates out there that want to get rid of the IRS and they want to, you know, um, have a flat tax. I'm not necessarily against it because I know what will happen to it. Congress will get a hold of it just like they did before. So, um, you know, it, it's something that's, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, we've had a flat tax before and here's where we're at. We are literally my, uh, my office is 1,900 square feet, and I can tell you that the entire Internal Revenue Code does not fit in this office. So, if it was put in binders and and you know it was it was in the office, it wouldn't fit in this office. That's how vast the code is today. Yeah, um, you know that's what makes it so funny is uh, they may. Uh, want to go back to a flat tax, but pretty soon we'd be right back to where we are today, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what would happen. And that's and that's great. And you know, it's funny, a lot of people want to eliminate the IRS and I know that everybody hates the IRS and they have this 
healthy fear of the IRS that we kind of touched on last week. And I understand that completely. But at the end of the day, the IRS is just a collection agency. That's it. They're not the ones that make the rules or not. Well, they have some rules. They have some procedures, but they're not the ones that make the laws. It's Congress. They're just simply enforcing the laws. That's that's all the IRS is doing. And, you know, one of the things I've heard you say in the past, and uh, I've always uh, I find it amusing every time you talk about it with clients, is um, it's not necessarily a bad thing that we've complicated things, because that usually means, um, you know, a, a law or a rule has been put in place, and someone like you who, uh, you know, clients come in here and pay us so that we can come up with wonderful uh, solutions on how to uh, help them um, avoid taxes, and folks like us will We'll kind of come up with different ways around it, and then, lo and behold, a new law will come in, into place to try to, uh, you know, prevent us from doing that, and and that's how things just snowball and, and get complicated. But yeah, absolutely. And then you have, you know, you have the United States Tax Court, and they're ruling all the time, and they're setting precedent. So, um, you know, a lot of it is, you know, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of good good legal stuff that you can do and that's you know um we're going to get into that a little bit later but you know tax avoidance is legal and and that's not me saying that that's the united states supreme court saying that so there's so many legal ways that you know it's funny because i read a lot of articles on people that commit tax evasion and that's that's not what i'm saying there's a huge difference between tax evasion and tax avoidance but you don't have to do that. I mean, the code is so vast. There's ways around pretty much everything. So, um, you know, now there are some things that are, you know, there's no way you can get out of it. But um, for for the most part, there's a way around everything. Yeah, there absolutely, uh, and I I always uh, love how we we stress that when we meet with clients that there's no need to do anything shady or illegal when there are so many legal ways to tackle um, taxes and and that's that's why you you know you should see a tax professional because there's so many things that um, you may not be aware of that can be done to help you mitigate your taxes. Um, but I know you want to get further into it, but we're we're soon to come upon a break here. Um, it's a very hot topic, so I want to give out our number again in case anybody wants to call in. Our uh, number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Feel free to give us a call with your questions or again email us uh, at info at taxavoidanceislegal dot com. And um, on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to talk about the different types uh, of income. What is taxable and what isn't taxable? Does that sound good to you, Craig? That sounds amazing, yes, and that sounds very boring, but when we get into it, you guys are going to love it. So, At Tax Crisis Center, LLC, we solve tax problems for a living. If you have a tax problem with the IRS, you've probably been inundated with postcards and letters from different tax resolution companies all over the country. Tax Crisis Center LLC is the country's premier tax resolution company. Unlike other tax resolution companies that will take your money and do nothing for you, once we are retained, we go to work. We get results for our clients and will handle your IRS problem professionally and expeditiously. 
Don't let the IRS push you around anymore. Give us a call at 1-855-IRS-2911. Email us at help at taxcrisiscenter.com or visit us on the web at www.taxcrisiscenter.com and let your voice be heard. CWS EAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at 1-844-CWS-EAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsa Smalley. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we're discussing a breakdown of the individual tax system. I know that sounds like a mouthful, but I assure you there's a lot of great information, so uh, stay with us. And I want to remind everybody that you can call in uh, if you have any questions or want to be on the air. It's one 888 for it or one 888 or email us your questions at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And before the break, we discussed... Um, how we get how we got to where we are at right now um, with uh, income tax um, and um, before we move on Craig I have an email from someone uh, this one is Steve in Sacramento and Steve asks why is the tax code so complex you kind of touched a little bit about uh, yeah for break yeah it's Congress it's it's Congress so you know a lot of times uh, Congress they'll get in with special interests or um, you know or something similar to that but you know one of the funniest things that I like that, that I think is funny about the tax code is if you're blind do you know that there's a tax break but if you're deaf there isn't one <laughs> so there was a lobby at some point for blind people <laughs> where they get a special tax break so it's it's so complex just because Congress has made it that way but that's not a bad thing I'm here to tell you it's really not a bad thing Absolutely. And um, I know that there's different types of income, but uh, without boring everyone to death, because, uh, you know, this can get quite quite heavy and we don't want to bore anybody out there. Um, Craig, could you go into what the different types of income are and why they're important? I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. So, yeah, let's start at the beginning. You have um, earned income. So, Earned income is basically what you get on your W-2 or what you make as self-employed income. Um, you have investment income, such as dividends and interest income. You have passive income and you have passive losses. You have ordinary income. You have capital gains income. You have income from a partnership or an S-corporation. You have gambling income. You have Social Security income. You have disability income. And then on top of that, you also, some lawsuits that you go into will be taxable. So um, there's so many different types of income. 
Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what is the significance of the different types of, of income that you mentioned? Oh, there's, there's a big significance and that's why I kind of want to go into this and I want to sort of make this easy for everybody to understand. So for instance, earned income is important because there's something called the earned income credit and that's calculated on your earned income, not on any other income. So that's your W-2 income or your self-employed income. Also, the amount that you put into a retirement plan is typically based on what your earned income income is. So it doesn't matter about any of the other types of income that you have. Um, it's really, uh, you know, it's based on earned income. And then you have investment income and investment income is taxed completely differently than any types of income. So for example, investment income such as long-term capital gain and qualified dividends, those are taxed at either a 0%, 15% or a 20% tax rate, depending on what your income is. I think you may have just blown a few people's minds with the whole 0%. So there's actually uh, some types of income that are taxed at 0%. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I love, I absolutely love finding a client that is part of this. So if you're, we have different tax brackets and you hear that thrown thrown out a lot. So basically we have the 10% tax bracket, the 15% tax bracket, the 25% tax bracket, the 28% tax bracket, the 31% tax bracket, and the 35% tax bracket. If you're in the 10% tax bracket and the 10% or the 15% tax bracket, any of your long-term capital gains or your qualified dividends aren't taxed at all. Wow. Okay. Um, for those who are listening, um, and I know for the longest time, uh, I, I didn't really understand this. What are long-term capital gains? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, long-term capital gains are anything that you hold for a year and a day. So typically that's stocks that you've held for one year and one day or mutual funds that you've held for a year and a day it can also be um, an investment property that you had, like a rental property that you had and you sold and you held for one year and one day. Um, those are subject to capital gains tax. And, and again, the capital gain, gains rate is either 0%, 15%, or 20%. So, um, a lot of times, you know, there was this big thing, um, last, time we elected a president where Mitt Romney released his tax returns and everybody was all up in arms because I remember that. Had, yeah, because he had only paid 15%. Well, he was paying capital gains income. So he had earned his income at one time and then he invested it and he was living off of his investments. And Very living, smart. Yes, absolutely. And that would have been my tax advice to him years ago. And in doing that, he only paid taxes at 15%. And a lot of people were up in arms about that. But it's, it's something that, um, you know, it, it's something that with a little bit of planning, you can do that as well. Absolutely. That, that's great. Uh, what about passive income? What exactly is passive income? 
passive income is very complicated. So, um, and I'm going to start off with something that, um, a lot of people have that are passive income. The biggest passive income that we have is rental property. So if you own a rental property and you're not a real estate professional, um, and you, uh, do not actively participate in that business, which means you don't spend more than 750 hours on that activity, that activity is passive income. Now, with rental properties, it's a little bit different because typically, um, you know, you bought the rental property for, say, $200,000. Well, over the time that you're renting it out, you're recovering that $200,000 uh, via something called depreciation. So you're depreciating the property over this time. And then typically because of that depreciation, you end up with a passive loss. So um, the problem with passive losses is they can only go against passive income. So if you have a passive loss, you don't have any passive income, that passive loss is basically suspended until such a time as you have passive income. Now, another way to get passive income is if you've invested in a limited liability partnership or a limited partnership or an LLC where you are considered a limited partner and a perfect example of that are oil wells. People invest in oil wells all the time. Uh, the money that comes from that, people usually get a K-1 form, which is base, basically your summary of income and loss from a business. Now, um, on that, that's either passive income or that's passive losses. So a lot of times you can really get into um, having passive income and having passive losses. Yeah, very interesting. Well, thank you for all of that. <laughs> um, you you were right; it is a bit complicated. Um, one of the things I've heard you say, uh, you know, on and off in different meetings, and uh, is when we talk about rental income. And I know I've heard you say that there are exceptions to rental income. Um, for the sake of everyone listening in, would you mind going into what those are? Yeah, so the reason why I want to hit on rental income is that is usually uh, something that's very common. Um, you know, somebody will, you'll have two people that are, you know, they are engaged and, you know, obviously they get married, so they have this extra home. Well, for the longest time, the, the housing market was horrible, so... um so, you know, the housing market was horrible. So what people would do is they would rent out their homes. Well, if your income and I and I just said that the losses from rental properties are passive. However, if you meet a certain income limitation, um, uh, you know, just a certain in, uh, income limitation, you can take up to twenty five thousand dollars of the losses from um, any of your rental property. So that's something that is um, th th that's kind of nice. So, um, you know, that was that was something that, uh, you know, that, that that's great that that our clients take advantage of a lot. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for explaining that. I, I know um, sometimes we use a lot of different terms and a lot of different phrases, and I just don't want anyone that's listening in to, um, you know, for anything to go over their head. And, it, you know, if, if anybody has any questions as we are talking about the different things and want us to elaborate on, on anything or go into describing things, feel free to give us a call or email us and let us know, um, you know, that we're we're using too much uh, jargon for you so that we can definitely go into it and break it down for you. Um, yes, and exactly. And I'm trying to take something that is very, very complex and understand I went to school. Um, you know, I've, I, I have a master's degree in taxation. So this is something that I've studied and I've also been in practice for 22 years. And this is something that, that I know a lot. And, and I'll also let you know that you know, I spend a couple hours a day catching up with everything that changes. So um, I'm trying to make this as simple for everybody as possible. Now, you know, some of the other different, you know, types of income like, you know, Social Security income. And there's something I want to point out about um, Social Security income that if you're getting to the time where it's time to retire, Social Security income is just getting ready to change. Now, what you used to be able to do and you can still do until April the 29th of this year is do something where if you're the legal retirement age, which I believe is either 65 or 66, you can file for Social Security and then immediately suspend your benefits. And once you've done that, you can collect your spouse's benefits. And also it puts a hold on these benefits and they just keep accumulating and accumulating and accumulating until you decide to take them. And then you can get all of those benefits that you suspended. You can get them all at one time. Now, um, only a portion of Social Security income is taxable, not the full amount. So um, that's something that's getting ready to end now. So if you're of retirement age, um, you know, some really good advice is to sit down and talk with your tax advisor about file and suspend because that's getting ready to change drastically. Wow. Wow. That's really good. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that. I had heard you mention that before. Um, well, it's uh, about time for another break. It's getting really interested. We're going to go to break in a minute. I just want to remind everybody that you're welcome to call in with any questions at one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight or send us an email at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about uh, the question we always get asked. This is probably Probably my favorite question. What is deductible? So stay tuned and uh, come back and find out what is deductible. Forming a corporation or LLC can separate personal assets from your business assets. No matter what state your business operates in, forming a corporation or LLC in Nevada, Delaware, or Florida has benefits. For example, forming a corporation in Nevada offers privacy and no corporate income tax. Forming a corporation in Delaware can give you the legal protection of the state of Delaware, which is business friendly. On top of the legal reasons to form a corporation, there are tax benefits as well. Give us a call today at 1-844-CWSEAPA. 
or 1-844-297-3272 or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Come and see what you've been missing. Payroll can be a nightmare for a small business. When you have employees, you have to pay them periodically, pay the taxes associated with them, and file quarterly tax reports with the Internal Revenue Service and the state that your business operates in. Our payroll is seamless. It is done through a cloud-based system. All you do is put in what you are paying your employees and approve your payroll. We handle the rest. Our fees are lower than the national payroll companies, too. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or visit us on the web at CWSEAPAPayrollService.com. At Albertus Business Services Incorporated, we view ourselves as your internal bookkeeping department and are always improving ways to leverage proven cloud technologies to streamline and improve the efficiency of our outsourced services. With an in-house bookkeeper, you would run the cost of about 45000 a year. But with our monthly services, it would be a fraction of that cost. Let us help you with the tedious, time-consuming side of your business so you can focus on growing your business. Call us today at one 695 6658 Our website is albernusservices.com or email dalbernus at albernusservices.com. Your success is our business. Now let's get back to Craig and Belsis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Uh, I'm your host, Elsis Smalley, and today we're discussing a breakdown of the individual tax system. I uh, just want to remind everyone that um, you can call in if you have any questions. Our call-in number is 1-888. Go for it. 1-888-463-6748 or email your questions to us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. Um, at any time, you can visit us on our on the web at www.taxavoidanceislegal.com. And on our website, we also have a listing of um, what the topics are for upcoming shows. We have a form that you can fill out if you want to submit any questions or comments regarding um, you know shows we've already aired or upcoming shows. And we always do our best to um, answer your questions. Um, before the break, um, Craig was discussing um, how we got here where, with regards to income tax. Um, but uh, before we move on um, to my favorite subject, which is going to be all about deductions, um, we get asked a lot um, in our practice, um, you know, what is deductible? And I know Craig is itching to answer that, but we do have an email that came in. Uh, Craig, this email is from Mitchell in Texas, and Mitchell um, heard us talking about uh, passive losses just a little while ago, and he wants to ask, um, if you can't take passive losses, what happens to them? They carry over until such a time as you have passive income. Now, um, usually uh, most people out there, and I would say um, 90% of the people that have passive losses are due to real estate. So when you sell your rental property, all of the um, passive losses that you've been accumulating over the years, you can finally take as you sell the property. So, um, But typically, any other passive loss just continues carrying over for your entire lifetime until such a time as you have passive income. If you never have passive income, then you can never take the passive of loss. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. And that was a great question from Mitchell. Now, I know that we get asked a lot of questions about what is deductible for an individual. So um, my question is, what are some deductions that you can uh, inform folks about? Well, there's two different types of deductions that I want to uh, be clear about. There's something that we will talk about in the industry as an above-the-line deduction. And what that means is that you don't have to itemize your deductions to take them, and they're not limited by anything. So itemized deductions can typically be limited. So your above-the-line deductions are typically alimony, um, IRA contributions, self-employed health insurance, contributions to a health savings account or an HSA, education deductions, moving expenses, student loan interest, things like that are above the line the deductions. Then you have below the line deductions. You have medical expenses. Now, the problem with medical expenses is that you have to have a lot of them for them to be deductible. So um, on medical expenses, they have to be in excess of 10% of your adjusted gross income. So if your adjusted gross income is $100,000, then you can only, you can deduct um, anything over $10,000 of what your medical expenses are. So um, state income taxes or sales taxes are deductible, property taxes, mortgage insurance, points that you paid to get a mortgage. Um, under certain situations, mortgage insurance premiums are deductible, gifts to charity are deductible, gambling losses. Now, yeah, your gambling losses are deductible to the extent of your gambling winnings. So if you have $5,000 in gambling winnings and you have $10,000 in gambling losses, you can only take $5,000 of the losses. So you can only take gambling losses up to your gambling winnings. And then um, you get un- unreimbursed employee expenses such as um, mileage for, you know, if you weren't reimbursed for any mileage or something like that, or you took a client out to, um, lunch or something and the company didn't, um, didn't reimburse you. Then you also have the home office deductions. Now, on the home office deduction, this was a deduction that if you ever came to me about a year ago, I would have told you if you own your own home, don't take the um, the home office deduction. And let me try to explain why. If you live in your home for two of the last five years and you sell your home and you're single and you make $250,000 on the sale of your home, it's completely tax free. You don't have to pay any taxes on that. And if you're married, it doubles to $500,000 that you make on the sale of your home. But if you've used the home office deduction, um, what you've done is you've taken a portion of your, of your home office and you've made that, um, business property. So let's say that you say that 20% of your home office is, um, is deductible. So you deduct 20% of that. When you go to sell your property, you're going to have to pay capital gains on 20% of, uh, what you, uh, of what you make on, on the property. So 
any time that you um, take something that isn't taxable and turn around and make it taxable, it's a horrible thing. However, last year, um, there's a way to um, there's a way to deduct your home office deductions without having to call your home business property. So you can take up to $1,500 as a home office deduction without calling um, your home office business property, which is great. You know, that's, that's a that's great, great deduction. Yeah. So, and then there's one thing I do want to mention about um, below the line deductions. These are your itemized deductions. There's something called called the P's limitations. And what that means is if your income is a certain amount, you can only deduct a portion of um you can only deduct a portion of of your itemized deductions. They're limited by the amount that you make. So be very careful about that. And also if you have too many itemized deductions, it can also trigger something called alternative minimum tax, but that's a different story for a different day. And definitely. We don't want to get into that right now. But Absolutely um, not. <laughs> um, I do want to point out that there's a lot of folks in different industries. And I know here at our in our practice, we try to help folks out and we have a lot of different worksheets for folks, you know, based on their industry. I know, for instance, just off the top of my head, we have a worksheet that we give folks who are police officers, firemen, um, real estate agents, uh, folks who are, um, you know, um, maybe independent sales folks uh, that have like a uh, at-home business. Um, and, and there's a lot of different tools out there that can help you kind of organize your deductions if you're having a struggle, if you're struggling about what may or may not be deductible. Uh, definitely reach out and ask. And we're always uh, here happy to help folks. So send us an email at info at tax avoidance is legal if you have any questions about your particular situation and what may or may not be uh, deductible because, uh, you know, there there's a lot of information out there that you may not be aware of and a lot of tools that you could use to gather those deductions and help you get ready. Yeah, for absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I just touched on what was deductible, but you know, I always tell my clients, if you have any questions about what may or may not be deductible, always send me an email, pick up the phone. Let's talk about it because a lot of people want to give tax advice and those are car salesmen and people at the bar or your friend next door. And, you know, um, I always tell them, yeah, I always tell them, send me an email and we'll talk about it because everybody's situation is different. And just because something was deductible for your friend doesn't necessarily mean it's deductible for you. Absolutely. Well, we do have an email about a deduction, uh, one of the deductions you mentioned. Um, let's see here. This question is, uh, did, no, they didn't put their name, but they said, what are HSA deductions and why are they so special? Oh, I have to tell you something. I absolutely love HSA plan. So um, HSA is a health savings account. And let me explain why they're so special. So in an HSA, so let's go back to medical expenses. We had talked about medical expenses. In order to deduct your medical expenses, they have to be in excess of 10% of adjusted gross income. So using my example before, 
um, if you have ten thousand, if you if your adjusted gross income is a hundred thousand dollars, any of your medical expenses over ten thousand dollars are deductible. However, if you have a health plan and you're single. And your minimum deductible is $1,300 and your maximum out of pocket in your plan is $6,550. You can have a health savings account. And if you're single and you meet those, um, you meet the, the deductible and the maximum out of pocket, you can put $3,305 into an HSA plan. And that's an above the line deduction. And the best part of these things. Oh, and if you're 55 and over, you can add $1,000 to that. Now, the best thing about these HSA plans is you don't have to use those before the end of the year. You don't have to use them. You can accumulate them. You can, but they are deductible. And then anything that you take out of the HSA plan, provided you use it for medical expenses, is um is tax free and then if you're a family the limitations are you have to have a minimum deductible of $2600 a maximum out of pocket of $13100 and your contribution limit is $6750 and if you're over age 55 that's an additional $1000 now i want to talk about this just a little bit because i just wrote an article about HSA plans and I I wrote about it in a perspective that most people don't think about. So if you're married or if you're married or you're single and you're part of your company's retirement plan and you've maxed out everything that you can put into the 401k, which would be um, $18,000 if you're under 50 or $23,000 if you're over 50 and you want to put money into an IRA, the problem is you would be putting it into a non-deductible IRA, which is bad for you when you take it out because um, even if it's in a non-deductible IRA, a portion of it could be taxable. So um, it's very interesting. There was a study done that people at the age of retirement, uh, they spend from retirement until death, they will spend $250,000 on medical expenses. So what you can do is you can use these HSA plans just like an IRA because they're deductible. They work like an IRA. You can put this amount in there. You can deduct it. You don't have to use it. You can accumulate it. And it's the greatest thing in the world. And you get a tax deduction for it. So it works. It works just like an IRA plan. So um, my advice to you is if you do meet these limitations, um, then absolutely use these HSA plans because they're the greatest thing in the world. Absolutely. I know we definitely take advantage of ours every year. And uh, for folks who, like like you mentioned, uh, you have to have so much in um, medical expenses to be able you know, to qualify. The HSA can really help you out. So um, we do have another thing I wanted to ask about uh, before we go to break, which is um, – there's a different. I know that there's a difference between a deduction and a tax credit, but can you um, explain the difference to the audience so that they, those listening in, can understand the difference between a uh, deduction and a tax credit, um, and then 
maybe you can talk a little bit about what are some of the common tax credits that people tend to miss. Well, I think that this is going to be a lengthy discussion, so why don't we answer that after the break? Um, okay. We can do so, that. So what we'll do is we'll take a break now, and when we return, uh, Craig will go into uh, answering what a deduction and a tax credit is. Craig Smalley is the author of 12 books regarding taxation. Two of his books have been revised this year. It starts with an idea revised edition takes you through the startup of a company. It talks about taxes, entity structuring, the IRS, and so much more. The Complete Guide to Estate, Gifts, and Trust Taxation Revised Edition is about how to navigate the complex estate tax. Both books have just been released by CWSEAPA Publishing, LLC, and are on sale now at Amazon.com. If you are a business that has outgrown your accountant but are not big enough for one of the big four accounting firms, CWSEAPA Consulting may be perfect for you. We specialize in tax consulting for small to medium-sized businesses. We can advise you on whether it is time to start a holding company or management company to mitigate your tax liability. We can advise you on whether it is a good time to expand your business, hire employees, buy equipment, or lease equipment. There are different tax reasons to do different things. Let our over 22 years of experience work for you. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can email us at info at cwseapa.com or visit us on the web at cwseapa.com. We're doing something amazing and we want you to be a part of it. With so many choices when looking for quality investment advice, you owe it to yourself to seek a professional who has your best interests at heart. At J.B. Meridian Advisors, we don't sell products that generate commissions or have hidden fees. Client assets are never locked up in illiquid investments that could take months or years to access, or worse, charge a penalty to sell in an emergency. Our simple structure aligns the interests of our clients with our interests by charging a flat fee based on the assets we manage. As your portfolio value increases, our firm grows. Call J.B. Meridian Advisors now at 877-398-0051 or visit us online at jbmeridian.com. Now let's get back to Craig and Dulcis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we're discussing a breakdown of individual taxes uh, and the individual tax system. And before we went to break, um, I asked Craig to go into uh, describing the difference between a tax deduction and a tax credit and also uh, give us uh, give listeners a, a little uh, tip on what are some of the common tax credits that people tend to miss. Um, so if you're out and listening and you have any questions, um, we're going to try to uh, answer them for you. You can send us an email at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com or you can call in at at one eight eight eight, go for it, or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. So, Craig, uh, do you mind going into what the difference is between a tax deduction and a tax credit, and then let us know what are some of the commonly missed tax credits? 
Well, yeah. So the reason why I, I wanted to do this on the other side of the break is because it, it's sort of it's sort of complicated. So you have tax deductions, and that's what we were talking about. So let's say that you had a thousand dollar tax deduction, and um, you're in the fifteen percent tax bracket. That really means that you spent out a thousand dollars to get a hundred and fifty dollar tax break. So if you have a credit, a tax credit. That is a dollar for dollar credit. So if you have a $2,000 tax credit, that means it's $2,000 off your tax bill. And some of these tax credits are refundable. So we had talked about the earned income credit in the beginning of the show. So that's for um, lower income uh, people, the earned income credit. And then um, a credit that is very, very popular that a lot of people have, have missed. I've amended a lot of tax returns for is the American Opportunities Credit. This thing is amazing. So if you put your your son or your daughter or even yourself through uh, the first four years of college, you can get a tax credit of what you spent on the college up to $2,500. Now, if you don't have a tax liability, that amount can be refunded to you. And then even if you've gone past the four years, there's something called the lifetime learning credit, and you can you can get a $1,500 tax deduction, or I'm sorry, tax credit um, that goes against your um, your tax liability. Now, the lifetime learning credit isn't refundable, but if you have a tax liability, it'll go against that. Now, one more tax credit I want to talk about that I get a lot of phone calls about are people that want to convert their home from electrical to solar, and they talk about um, the salespeople go out and talk about this large tax credit that you can get, and you can. That's becoming abs- more, more and more popular yes. nowadays. Yes, and the salespeople are trying to sell it to you based upon this this tax credit that you get now. You get a 30% tax credit for um, converting your home to solar, and there's different requirements that you have to meet, and and um, different. But you get a 30% tax credit, and that's pretty substantial. So, if it costs you thirty thousand dollars to, um, well, let's use a round number because I used to be really good at math. If it costs ten thousand dollars for you to um for, you know for you to convert your home to solar and I know it costs more than that you would get a three thousand dollar tax credit which would help pay for a portion of that solar thing now there is something important that I want to point out this is set to expire either this year or next year, but it's a very popular credit, and I think that Congress will extend it. So just know that going in, that if it's something that you're thinking about, now is the time to do it. Absolutely. Well, we're getting a little short on time, so I want to see if we can get some of these questions answered. And um, our uh, one of the emails we received is from Chuck in Arizona. And uh, says here, Chuck says that uh, his accountant has told him that he can't deduct his passive losses on his rental income because his accountant says his income is too high. He says that he never sees a time where he will have any passive income. So what happens to those losses that he has incurred? Yeah, and we sort of touched on this in the beginning. So let's say that you 
are just accumulating these passive losses. And let's say that, you know, you've accumulated 10,000 in passive losses for the last 10 years. So what happens to all that money? I mean, that's a pretty substantial amount of money. When you sell the property, um, the rental property, you're allowed to take all of those suspended passive losses. So you'll get it when you sell the property. So I know that's a little complicated and it's sort of, you've got to wait a little bit for it, but you will, um, you will be able to take those passive losses, but that's, that's on rental properties only. Other passive losses, you have to wait till you have passive income. Okay, we um, may have time here for one more email. Um, Michelle has a question that I think a lot of people out there might have. Uh, she was in an accident and she won a $75,000 settlement. She wants to know if this is taxable. Well, the answer to that really depends. It depends on what the settlement was for. So if any of the typically a settlement that you receive for a car accident or some accident that you've had typically is not taxable unless unless a portion of that settlement was for lost wages or um, something similar to that, then whatever portion um, was given to you for lost wages would be taxable, but um, usually the compensatory damages and the um, you know the medical bills and all of that that's not taxable at all. It's just when you're being um, compensated for lost wages that would be taxable. Okay, um, there is very little time left, but I know that I've just got to sneak this question in here because it's uh, it's. It's a good one. Um, Jill in Atlanta has a question that I know you're going to want to answer, Craig. She says, um, I'm doing my own tax return tomorrow. Are there any last-minute tips or deductions that you have for me? I thought that would be a great uh, final question for our today's show. Um, well, th- this is a very, you know, I get asked this a lot. It's, it's I, uh, I always tell clients I do a much better job of, keeping you out of trouble than getting you out of trouble. So the year is over now and there's not, you know, if we were having this discussion sometime in August or we were having this discussion before the end of the year, I would have said, okay, well, here's a list of, you know, different things that we can do. We can start an HSA. We can, you know, you you know, do certain things. Right now, there's not really much you can do besides put money into an IRA or, um, you know, something similar to that. There's no hidden, you know, it's funny because, you know, clients will think that we wave a magic wand and mysteriously these taxes go away and it just doesn't work that way. Taxes are something that you have to plan for. It's something that you have to do year round. It's not something, you know, I always make a joke with my, with, uh, Belsis and I always tell her that that we're only thought about four or five months of the year and we should be thought about a lot more because like I said, if we were having this conversation in August or any time before the end of the year, there would have been a lot of things that we could do just to change the way that you're doing things and make things tax deductible. But unfortunately, we're at the end of the year so there isn't much that you can do besides, like I said, put money into an IRA or um, you could even put money into an HSA before the 15th or the 18th of April this year. So, yeah, so those are different things that you can do. Definitely. And like you said, make, make sure you uh, see your tax um, preparer and, or your accountant um, 
several times throughout the year. Don't wait until tax time. There's uh, so much more that can be done with tax planning if you um, start early um, and have a plan throughout the year and and check in with them regularly. And and if you don't have a tax preparer who offers that to you, maybe you need to, to find one, somebody that specializes in taxation, somebody who can definitely, um, you know, do a, a good tax analysis for you and um, put a plan in place so that come tax time you're not owing a bunch of money to the IRS. And uh, I think you'll be a lot happier that way. I Absolutely. know that our clients know that our clients appreciate that about us. And um, this is kind of, we're going to have to end it here. Um, we realize that a lot of folks are at work. Um, we talk a lot about confidential information. So that's why we have that email option for you throughout the week. Feel free to um, send us your um, questions at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. Um, you can just uh, visit our website as well, www.taxavoidanceislegal.com. And there is a form there that you can fill out. Um, you don't have to... Um, Include your name if you don't feel comfortable with it, or you can just let us know in the in the notes that you don't want to state your name, and we'll still answer your question. And if there's any questions that came in that we didn't get to on the air, I apologize. It's such a uh, vast subject that we try to cram into a one hour, and I know there's a lot more that Craig could have uh, gone into, but we just simply don't have the time. So we'll we'll be sure to answer anyone's questions. If you your question did not get answered, we will follow up with you. Um, just wanted to close by saying that this show is sponsored by Tax Crisis Center LLC and uh, CWSCAPA LLP. And please tune in next week. Um, we're going to be discussing um, the topic of business taxation. So similar to what we did today, we're going to do a breakdown of business taxation. And I yes, know if you are if you are self-employed, you want you don't want to miss this. You really don't want to miss this. Absolutely. 